There are moments in life where things can change in the blink of an eye. Tonight, don't blink. I am here to show you that I am not just the future, I am the now. There is something special in the atmosphere tonight. There is passion, there is pride, groundbreaking defiance, undisputed, and damn sure unapologetic. I am not your king, but I am here, I am live, and I am the Gift of Podcast. Now let me show you. What's up, guys? This is the Gift of Podcast. I am the Monday Night Delight. We are back another week. Let me tell you about living in the Stone Age. Yesterday, the internet in this town... Little Podunk R-W-A-W-A-R South Town. All the internet went away. Might as well have been living in the Stone Age. As such, I did not get this show recorded till sometime Monday afternoon. As opposed to my, well, let's be honest, I kind of always recorded on Monday afternoon, but I'm usually much more prepared. But I got through your Monday Nitro review... And it was a boring show from Australia, and we're going to get back to NXT today. Top five things from the live debut of NXT on USA Network. Now, I did not watch the live on USA debut. I watched it the next day and some on Saturday. Well, here's the problem with that. Much like they do with Raw, Hulu chops up NXT into one hour long bite. And that sucks, because I did not see Zia Lee and Aaliyah. Not that I really missed much there, I think. But I also did not see Pete Dunne, and that one I know I missed some on. So, going forward, I'm going to have to actually record these USA NXTs and watch them the next day, not just watch what they put up. Because if not, well, then I'm going to miss out on some stuff. That being said, I have top five of everything I saw on NXT, and I imagine probably the top five of the whole show. Let's get started with that. Number five, the women's four-way opens the show. Kudos to NXT. Kudos to WWE for opening their first live on USA show with a women's match. And not just a women's match, a great women's match. These guys, and well, let me rephrase that. These girls got in there, tore the house down. Io Shirai, Mia Yim, Bianca Belair, and Candice LeRae. Number one contenders match winner will take on Shayna Baszler. Not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday. And in case you're wondering, that will be against the very first episode of AEW Dynamite. Yes, that's the name on TNT. Will I be watching AEW Dynamite? Yes, I will. Will I be reviewing it on this show? Yes, I will. Do you all have a say in the matter? No, you don't. Because I think everyone will be clamoring to hear AEW reviews. If you are one of these diehard WWE fans who think that no matter what, AEW is going to fail, no matter what, it's going to be worse, I say get on board now. Because in two weeks, the entire wrestling world is going to be talking AEW Dynamite. And, and, 
just so you know, WWE does see this as competition. Maybe not for Raw. Maybe not for SmackDown. But maybe for NXT. They think that AEW could be competition. They are stacking that show. They know that there is a women's title match on AEW. They have put a another uh, their own NXT women's title match on their show that Wednesday night. Next week, we'll build up some more. I wouldn't be surprised at all if we don't get uh, Walter and Kushida and if we don't get an Adam Cole title defense in two weeks on NXT. But that's the future. Let's talk about the good things of this match. These four women tore the house down. They all took a turn making dives to the outside. Io hit her moonsault. Mia hit uh, a tope suicida. The, the finish came. Io was on top go, uh, looking to go for another moonsault. Got pushed down by Candice. Uh, Mia went to give her an electric chair drop. Candice reversed that into the poison rana. Hit essentially a lion salt off the middle rope. Pinned her one, two, three. Candice LeRae is your number one contender. Take on Shayna Baszler. This is a great call. All three of the other women in the match have had their turn with Shayna Baszler. And all three have failed. Can Mrs. Wrestling, can Candice Wrestling, the wife of Johnny Gargano, take Shayna Baszler to the limit and take this title off her? Something that only Kyrie Sane had been able to do temporarily. We'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if there's no Adam Cole NXT title defense. I wouldn't be surprised if this match didn't main event NXT uh, on USA. Uh, all around, pretty good match. I had a lot of fun there. These women did not pull any punches. They didn't, I mean, they did everything you would expect out of them on a, a takeover here on this on this first episode on TV. Loved it. We're going to move on to number four, the closing of the show. Uh, we're going uh, to encapsulate the uh, Killian Dane and Matt Riddle match and the brawl that followed it. Uh, the first two or three minutes of the fight it was fine. Wasn't anything major, wasn't anything wrong with it, but it was just, it was there. And when it started, it only had four or five minutes left on the counter. I don't know if that was because I was watching the Hulu version, or if there was really only four or five minutes left in the show, in which case, that's a that relates pretty hard to my WCWs that I'm watching, and it looks real bad. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just your... Maybe it's just Hulu. But they made up for it because they brawled to the back and they passed by the Forgotten Sons. Who, just, who are taking pictures, doing some kind of publicity. Which is weird, but okay, you're backstage, that happens. And then they get to a table and they bump the table and two of the men sitting at the table run away. And you notice that these two men are interviewers. But they were interviewing Walter, or Walter, if you will. And Walter gets up offended at what he's seen here. And Riddle hits that knee on Dane, and Dane falls backwards. But before Riddle can realize what's happening, Walter has a hold of him and is beating him down. Imperium, apparently feeling their master getting into a fight, runs in out of nowhere and begins laying the beat down on Dane. Or not Dane, excuse me, Riddle. Then the then uh, the uh, Street Profits would run in to save Riddle. The Forgotten Sons would attack the Street Profits. Dane would get back into the fight. 
Those are the only people I can 100% confirm were in this brawl. I can suspect people that I think I saw included Kona Reeves, Damian Priest, Leo Rush, Mansoor. Uh, I did not see uh, Tyler Breeze or Fandango. They could have been there, though. I, I, there was a guy in a, in a white tank top, and that was what Fandango was wearing a couple weeks ago. Regardless, most of the roster got into this brawl. They brought out to ringside until security broke it up, and even then, a lot of security got beat down. And the show goes off the air. No definitive finish to Dane and Riddle. But definitely this intrigue of all these guys are ready to fight. Let's have them fight. Uh, I am, I'm down for it. I am super into it. Let's see what happens uh, this coming Wednesday. If anything, to follow up on these brawls. Number three, we've got... The North American title match. Between Roderick Strong and the Velveteen Dream. Uh, this was takeover quality. No doubt about it. Uh, I was the main event of the first hour of the show, which would be the hour on USA exclusively. Now, they did stream the second hour on the network. Don't know how long that'll last. But the finish was... I mean, it was a takeover finish. Dream hit the Dream Valley driver. Uh, Roddy kicked out. Roddy hit the end of Heartache, and Dream kicked out, and at this point, the Undisputed Era comes down to ringside. They had not been there the whole match. Roddy was taking care of business on his own for 90% of the match. But now, he had backup. Um, I believe it was Fish who distracted the ref, and Adam, uh, Adam Cole hit a super kick as the Dream went up to the top rope. Uh, got pulled down into a second end of heartache. I believe he, he was going for Purple Rainmaker, got kicked down, end of heartache. Roddy pins Velveteen Dream, wins the North American title, and the prophecies fulfilled. The Undisputed Era is now a golden quartet. I heard that phrase used this weekend for the first time, and they are rare. How many golden quartets can you think of? At one time, I know that uh, the... Four Horsemen had the United States title, the NWA title, and the NWA tag titles. I know at one point Evolution had the world title, the IC title, and the tag titles. And now the Undisputed Era. And the Undisputed Era may be the first Golden Quartet that does not contain Ric Flair. And I'm sure if I'm wrong, someone will correct me. And it just so happens that they became a Golden Quartet the night that number two happened. Excuse me, number one happened. We'll get to that. And another quartet would land in NXT. But let's talk about number two real quick. And that is Oni Lorcan and Leo Rush in a number one contenders match for the Cruiserweight title. It was, it was rumored the last couple weeks and pretty much confirmed here that the Cruiserweight division would become... A part of NXT. Drew Gulak has been on NXT recently. Uh, he last match was the submission match with Kushida, which was excellent. And this week, uh, we had these two guys. Leo Rush, kind of a surprise. Didn't even believe he was still with the company. Apparently, he is. He had no Lashley to speak of, though the people would chant, Bobby Lashley. Stop that right now. Because Leo Rush is fantastic. He is fast. He flies. He flips. And people are going to say, duh, 
Delight, we all knew that. I didn't. Now I do. Only Lorcan, I've seen him wrestle with Danny Birch for years now, on his own against Leo Rush, was also great. He doesn't often get to play monster giant heel, but he took a beating to Leo Rush, uh, tried to outspeed him at the beginning, and that didn't work, so he went down to beating him down. Leo Rush would hit him with uh, a standing Spanish fly. I mean, it's hard to describe exactly what happened here. Oni Lorcan rushed at Leo Rush. Leo Rush grabbed him. They did a full flip over for the Spanish fly. And then Leo Rush hit a giant frog splash, pinned Oni Lorcan, and is now your number one contender for the Cruiserweight title. Now here's the question going forwards. What becomes of NXT TakeOvers? We already know that the TakeOver for Royal Rumble has been canceled and replaced with a Worlds Collide tournament. Fine. But does that mean that NXT is going to start joining these main roster pay-per-views since they're now TV show era? Or are we just getting less TakeOvers? Or are we getting standalone TakeOvers, which actually could be better in the long run? And if so, does the Cruiserweight title go on pre-show for for WWE pay-per-views, or does it become a part of the NXT TakeOver? We'll find out, I'm sure, and sooner rather than later, because we now have a Cruiserweight title match set up, Drew Gulak and Leo Rush. Can't wait to see that match. Going to be a great match there, and it's going to be coming up very soon. Number one... The British are coming. And I say the British, that's actually not entirely true at all. NXT UK is coming. We're, we come back from the break in my Hulu feed. And Denzel Delatant, I believe, is who's coming out to the ring. I, I may be getting his last name wrong. He gets in the ring. And before anything can happen, Fabian Eichner, Walter Bartel... Not Walter Bartel, uh, Fabian Eichner, Marcel Bartel, and Alexander Wolf have him surrounded. And they begin to beat on him. Then they assume their Imperium stance, and out comes the NXT UK champion, Walter. He gets in the ring. He says that the ring is a sacred place. He's come to NXT to make it a sacred place. He begins to cut a promo in. German or Austrian or whatever it is he speaks. And who should come out but Kushida. I didn't know I wanted this match. But now I want Kushida versus Walter. Walter does amazing with little guys. His match with Travis Banks was excellent. His match with Pete Dunne. Rewatching it on television was excellent. His match with, uh, with Tyler Bate was phenomenal. And his match with Kushida is going to be amazing as well. I believe we'll probably get that on that Wednesday night versus AEW Dynamite. Um, It may even be for the UK title. I don't know that they'll put the title on Kushida, but I'd love to see him try to win it. So, can't wait to see Kushida versus Walter. And if we have to have Kushida versus every member of uh, Imperium first, I'm okay with that. But Imperium is here in NXT USA. So is Pete Dunne. Uh, we may start to see that lines blur a little more here and there. For a month or two months at a time, they'll bring in certain guys from NXT UK, and they're starting big with the champ and his team. And as I said before, now we have 
two quartets in NXT. And we have a War Games coming up in just a little bit. I would love to see Undisputed Era versus Imperium in the War Games cage. Maybe it's all wishful thinking, or maybe it's exactly where they're going. We're going to take a break. You'll hear a few words from our buddies over at, at uh, Wrestle Attic Radio, and we will be right back. What is going on, everybody? This is your resident Universal Royalty King, Ricky Rose, speaking. And if you like what you're listening to right now, I want to invite you guys to check out my wrestling show, The Kings of the Rings Podcast, coming out with a new episode each and every Friday right here on Wrestle Addict Radio. You don't want to miss it. What up, fam? It's your boy, JC Bones. And I'm Johnny Smarks in the house. And it's me, the gloriously handsome Doc Haas. And we are the Fourth Wall WrestleCast. Starting January 5th, you can find us on the Wrestle Addict Radio Network on rantwithant.com. Come be a part of the biggest draw for the critics, the marks, the casual, and the hardcore. What's going on, everybody? This is Will Tarashek, the founder of the Kings of the Rings podcast, and you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. And we're back. Monday Nitro, October the 9th, 2000, from the Brisbane Entertainment Center in Brisbane, Queensland, Australia. And if you're from Australia and I butchered where you're actually from, sorry, I, I, I did what I could because uh, I didn't actually write down any of that information. I'm just doing it off the top of my head. What I do know about this show is this. Tony Schiavone... Mark Madden and Stevie Ray are your commentators. Scott Hudson had a brand new baby. Didn't want to make the trip to Australia. Can't say that I blame him. But what's really wild is that brand new baby would be a sophomore in college this year. That's freaking crazy. Time's weird, man. The audio quality of this show is terrible. And it, I think it was terrible when it happened. Because microphones were either really too loud or really, really quiet. And just going in and out constantly. No good... There, a limousine pulls up and outdressed 1990s, early 90s Sting with the blue and the fringe and the surfer paint. And wait a second, that's not Sting. That's Jeff Jarrett and Sting makeup. Why? I don't know. We'll get there, I think. Intro. First match, Elix Skipper, who is billed as the cruiserweight champion. And my brain went, nah. He lost that title last week to somebody. Can't remember who at this point, but I know he is not the champion, and he don't got the belt. So, of course, in, in WCW, it don't got the belt doesn't mean don't got the championship. But we'll, we'll come back to that. Versus Rey Mysterio of the Filthy Animals. What's their beef? Nothing. Uh, something weird here. They came out to the exact same song that did not break in the middle. And there was no audio from the announcers. It sounded like there was audio that they cut out. And I wonder if it was a case of this audio was so distorted in the original tapes they pulled it out. Or if the audio got so distorted when they did the show in Brisbane 20 years ago that they didn't even air it for the Americas. Regardless, this was a weird transition. Uh, and this match became announcers talk about something else. Match one of the night. Uh, Tigress is on commentary. First and foremost, Tigress was not bad at commentary. 
She was hyping up Ray. She called a couple spots. She did at one point get excited when Ray went for the Bronco Buster, and every time that he would thrust his hips down onto uh, Elix Skipper, she would make. Have you ever, have you ever heard Kath, uh, Kathleen Madigan talk about little skinny blonde girls at the gym and how they're like golden retrievers? They're just, yep, 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 yep. That's essentially that's what Tigers was doing every time Ray would drop his hips onto the face of Elix Skipper. But she was calling the match. She was doing a great job. Stevie Ray kept cutting her off, telling uh, telling her why everything she said about wrestling was wrong. And, of course, Mark Madden was making jokes about boobs and butts and vaginas and women should be cooking and not wrestling and etc., etc. the whole time. So, way to go, WCW. You could have jumped on something here. You could have had a woman on commentary do a competent job, but you decided to crap all over her with Mark Madden and Stevie Ray, who we should like Stevie. We're supposed to hate Mark. I get that. But Stevie should not be hated. Nevertheless, uh, the finish came. Tori came out of the crowd, attacked Tigers from behind. This distracted Ray, and Skipper hit the play of the week, which was Sheldon Benjamin Paydirt or the MVP uh, Rainmaker, not Rainmaker, Playmaker. It's the, it's the weird move where you grab a guy's wrist, you put your leg over the back of his head, and then you flip down onto the ground. It's contrived. It's all, you can't hit it out of anywhere like you could, like a stunner or the rock bottom. So it's a stupid, stupid move, but it won the match for either skipper. Backstage, Franchise, Disco, and Alex Wright are having a meeting. Apparently, Franchise has pip, pimped out Tori to the, to the Boogie Nights for the night to distract Ray. The Natural Born Thrillers come out to the ring. Above average Mike Sanders is wearing the Cruiserweight title belt. That's right. He's the Cruiserweight champion. Not freaking Elix Skipper. It's amazing what they forget in a week. Speaking of which, Sanders says, I'm the commissioner now. Well, we found that out last week. When Russo left the show last week, midway through, he declared that Sanders was in charge, and in the next segment, he was referred to as the commissioner. We knew that, but apparently the writers of this show did not and decided to make it official. He books Tigress versus Tori in a down underwear match. It's an evening gown match, but it starts with, as he puts it, safari clothes. Safaris typically, and correct me if I'm wrong, happen in Africa. This would be outback clothing. This would be walkabout clothing. It would not be safari clothing. Am I being pedantic? Yes, I am. That's why you listen to this show. I I am the pedantic night delight. The cat comes out, says that he, he and Sanders need to work together to make a great show for these Australian fans. Sanders says, that's great. Cat says, all right then, let's have a little dance. But I brought me some dance partners. He brings out the Misfits in action. So now there are six members of the Natural Born Thrillers excluding Reno, who apparently could not get a visa. And there are five MAA guys and the cat. They're all standing in the ring. The cat's music plays. He dances a little bit. Sanders takes off his jacket. He's about to dance, and then the cat kicks him in the face. So I am led to believe that the Natural Born Thrillers really just wanted to dance with the cat in the MIA, and, and instead, the good guys decided to beat up these, these men just because they were large and muscular and didn't want to dance. 
Did I get that? I don't know if that's all correct or not, but it's certainly what I could get out of it. Sanders grabs a microphone and says, Cat, if you want to fight me tonight, you better bring some backup. Did the cat not just bring out five dudes in military clothing to beat you and your buddies up? Does he not have backup? Am I losing my mind? A little bit. Disco and Alex Wright dance in front of some mirrors. Stacy arrives backstage. The, the fake Sting, Jeff Jarrett, uh, stings around for a while. I believe here he went to catering and tried to uh, tell all the catering ladies that he was Sting. And then he went, it's showtime! And really low and gravelly. The Boogie Knights, versus, that would be Alex Wright and Disco, and it's still Disco with a Q because he's still in here, out here in basketball shorts, tennis shoes, carrying a duck, versus Jindrak and O'Hare for the WCW Tag Team titles. Jindrak uh, nearly kills Alex Wright with a tilt-a-whirl slam. He gets the tilt down, but not the whirl, and Alex Wright nearly comes down right on the top of his big, bald German head. Luckily, he flips over and lands on his face instead, doesn't kill himself. This becomes announcers talking about something else match of the night number two. When the Dell underwear match rules are too much for Stevie Ray to understand, and he begins asking Tony to explain it to him during this WCW tag team title match. Also, Mark Madden announces he has an exclusive interview with Stacy Keebler to find out who is the father of her baby. Uh, Disco gets the hot tag. I'm going to repeat that because it sounds like I had a stroke. Disco gets the hot tag. But the legal man doesn't matter because in the course of the last minute of this match, each man, without tagging, tries to pin someone else and eventually, Disco hits the stunner, whatever he calls it, on one of Jindrak or O'Hare. That guy gets pinned, and the Boogie Knights are your World Tag Team Champions. And the people go nuts. They're thrilled that they've seen this title change in front of their eyes. It's awesome. And then above average, Mike Sanders comes out and says, Wait, 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 wait. This is a dusty finish. You all should be disqualified for hitting the ref. The ref did get bumped at one point. And so the other five, uh, other three members of the NBT get in. The five of them beat down Disco and Alex Wright. Cut back to Sanders said, but I'm not going to disqualify you. Referee, restart the match. The referee restarts the match. And Jindrak and O'Hare each pin one member of the Boogie Knights and retain their titles. This was a load of crap. The people... We're excited. I would have called the audible. You change the titles back the next night in Sydney or okay, I don't know any other cities in Australia. But you know, change the titles back the next night at a house show or next week on the next Australian Nitro. But for the love of God, these people were thrilled to see this title change and you stole that from them. Way to go, Mike Sanders. Stacy walks down the hallway. Goldberg arrives on a motorcycle, and somebody asked, did he drive here from the States? Yes. Yes, he did. He, being a man of Jewish persuasion, used the Moses trick of parting the entire Pacific Ocean and driving from the last place that you had Nitro was in Charlotte, North Carolina, to Brisbane, Australia, which is a long way, I'm sure, and 
Yes, Mr. Goldberg drove there, you idiot. Uh, that would be a complete trip of... I don't want a flight. Although, I could fly Qantas. It's the safest airline. In miles. In miles. Miles. It's not this important, but you'll, you, you must have learned by now that this is how my brain works. When I fixate on a topic, I must discover the answer. It is 9,254 miles to Brisbane. Say Goldberg was driving at 60 miles an hour. It would have taken 154 hours or six and a half continuous days of driving. So no, he could not have driven from Charlotte to Brisbane. Okay, great. My brain is satisfied that we did that. Uh, the Nitro Girls go to the zoo. That's what they did. They flew the Nitro Girls from Charlotte, North Carolina to Brisbane, Australia to send them to the zoo for a 60-second video package, and they didn't even dance on the show. The fake Sting does the MasterCard commercials. Do you remember these MasterCard commercials from, from the late 90s, early 2000s, where uh, the, it was WCW-printed MasterCards? And I begged my parents to get one of these. They didn't, and I was 13 and couldn't get a credit card. Uh, but I wanted a, like a NWO red and black Sting MasterCard. And Jeff is doing a MasterCard commercial here. It's beautiful, but it, it doesn't go anywhere. It literally doesn't go anywhere with this stupid storyline. Stacy comes down the ring for her interview with Mark Madden. She... Won't say who the father is. Says it's nobody's business but hers. Which, alright, that's fair. But why did you think you were coming to the ring? Uh, and apparently they are patting her. So she looks like she's showing. They keep saying, oh, she's showing, she's showing. I can't really tell. It looks like there may be a bit of a bump. So they must be patting Stacy Keebler so that she looks pregnant. I guess. Um... She says to David, I've made a mistake. I still love you. Madden claims that she doesn't know who the father is because she's such a, a just a tyrannical whore that she slept with too many people to know who it is. David runs out, uh, says that he wants a blood test to find out who the father is and tries to take Stacy's blood. So not only is David crazy, he's also stupid because we know who the mother is, moron. He gets in Madden's face. Uh, Crowbar comes out dressed, uh, dressed in like this mauve maroon leisure suit. I was like, why is he raiding Mike Awesome's clothes? Uh, David accused Crowbar of, of father the baby. He kills Crowbar. Awesome runs out to save Crowbar and it's announced that apparently Awesome and Crowbar are now friends and are tagging together. It's like, okay, well, hey, you explained the stupid outfit on Crowbar. But when did that happen? I saw Crowbar, I think, a week ago, maybe two. I definitely saw Mike Awesome last week. There was no Crowbar. Did it happen on Thunder? Did it happen on the plane ride over to Brisbane? Did it happen on WCW Saturday night? I need more details about the Crowbar Awesome Express. Pam is backstage with Sting, the fake one. He's got a surprise coming up next. But he doesn't because up next is the down underwear match. I'm not going into all this. Tigress won. Franchise, fa yeah, franchise tries to kill Tigress. Conan saves Tigress. Sanders books Vito versus a mystery opponent. Probably Goldberg, but he doesn't say for sure. 
Sting comes out. Has Pinter announce him as Sting? Sting says he's lost his heart. Actual Sting repels from the roof. God dang it. I'm tired of arguing about this. It doesn't make any difference. Sting lived through that. But it's just, it's so stupid. He's, he's just wearing repelling rigging. He's not even wearing the big harness. He kills Jarrett. Jarrett kills Sting. Sting no-sells a table. I mean, put their table and then kills Jarrett again. That's what happened. Steiner checks on Jarrett. Ask him what happened, which is hilarious, which means that Steiner, who is at the building, not in his street gear. He is wearing his trunks he, and his sunglasses. He's all muscled out. He's got medasia, but he is not watching Monday Nitro backstage. Not that I can blame him. I wouldn't be. I didn't watch it the first time around either. Uh, the uh, Steiner finds out that it was Sting, and he goes to find Sting. Mike Sanders comes out the ring, says he's got himself some backup to fight the cat. Brings out Kevin Nash. Nash appears to be nursing some sort of hamstring injury already. Cat says, "All right, I got some backup too." Brings out Booker T. This becomes tag team match. Player Mike Sanders and Nash versus Cat and Booker. Uh, Mike Sanders does something that very much looks like the five knuckle shuffle. He doesn't do the hand in the air, you can't see me, wave in front of the face. But he stands over the cat, he brushes the dirt off his shoulder, and he hits a fist drop. That's the five knuckle shuffle. I cannot believe that one that that another one of Sting's or not Sting of uh, Cena's five moves of doom has been stolen from above average. Mike Sanders. This becomes announcers talk about something else match of the week number three as Mark Madden and Stevie Ray bicker over nonsense. Whether or not Booker was a good champ. Whether or not Jarrett would be a good contender. Whether or not Stevie's impartial. Who cares? It's all garbage. The cat pins Sanders with the feliner and it looks like he landed a heel kick to the jaw of Mike Sanders as hard as he could. The cat was truly a bad wrestler. And when the cat gets the pin, the people boo like crazy. Everyone hates the cat. We can all agree to that. Even though he's the good guy, no one wanted him to win. Steiner runs out post-match, kills Booker with a pipe, calls out Sting. Pam is backstage with David. He calls out Mike Awesome for a match later in the night. After the commercial, Pam is backstage with Vito, confirms that Goldberg is his opponent tonight and right now. Vito versus Goldberg. Goldberg pins Vito with a spear and jackhammer in 36 seconds. Johnny the Bull attacks Vito after the match. Goldberg saves uh, Vito from Johnny the Bull, spears and jackhammers Johnny the Bull, and then pins him and doesn't just cover him. Mickey J, who's still standing there, drops and one, two, three, counts a pin. Goldberg holds up a full handful of fingers, saying that this is his fifth victory. Um, can we, can we talk about the rules here of Goldberg re-breaking his streak? If you don't remember, Goldberg has to win 177 matches in a row to break his 176-0 streak, which is a lie, because by the count of Davis W's, 174-0, it was really somewhere around like 85-90. Regardless, regardless, he has to win that many matches in a row. Last week, he had a match with, uh, who was his first? Ming. Pinned Ming. That was one. And then he had a handicap match against the Harrises. He pinned Ron. That's two. And then he speared and jackhammered Don. And the ref counted that one. And he counted that as three. I don't think that's how that works. 
But let's say that that was, maybe that was two matches or it was an elimination match. Even then, it's only count as one. But let's say he gets one win for both of those pinfalls. This was an official match against Vito. He pinned Vito. That's four. No problem. Johnny the Bull wasn't involved in this at all. He wasn't in the match. He wasn't announced. He wasn't a tag partner. He wasn't a timekeeper, commentator, nothing. He didn't appear until Goldberg had beaten Vito and was leaving the ring. But then Goldberg came back and speared him and pinned him one, two, three. Why is Russo okay with this? Why is Sanders okay with this? He just picked up an extra victory overall. But okay, alright. Maybe that's how you want to do it. I still don't I, I don't understand why Goldberg then is not just grabbing guy grabbing Vito. You know, Vito apparently is his buddy. They talked about this earlier in the show. Why isn't Vito just laying down for Goldberg uh, and and getting pinned over and over? Goldberg would need to pin, uh, since he already had three wins, he would only need to pin uh, Mr. Vito, let's see, 58 times. So 58 pinfalls at three seconds apiece. You know, they could have Goldberg reinstated in the company fully in less than three minutes. This is the problem with this system. Either Goldberg can pin anybody any time, or he can't. And if he can, why doesn't he? Don't know. If you, did you follow all that? Because I kind of confused myself. A limo arrives backstage. Mike Awesome versus David Flair in a hardcore match. David, uh, okay. One of the things I love most in today's wrestling, especially women's wrestling, or exclusively women's wrestling, is when Charlotte does her father's spots. She doesn't do the she doesn't do the flare flop, but whenever someone reverses the figure four onto Charlotte or locks in some kind of uh, hold on Charlotte's legs, submission. She will go into the Ric Flair spasms and the ha, ha, and grabbing her hair and clutching at her, and just like her dad does. She, of course, does the woo. She does the strut. She does the chops. She does the flip into the corner. She does them all great. She either does them as good or some of them better than Rick. David Flair could not do his father's spots as well as Rick. His strut was terrible. His begging off was no good. His chops were the best part of his game. But even then, those are kind of hard to mess up. So David, not as good a wrestler as his sister, hot take, I know. Uh, this became an announcer talking about something else, match of the night, number I don't even know anymore. All talking about Stacy's baby daddy and what a huge whore Stacy Keebler apparently is. David takes a chair shot directly to the middle of his freaking forehead. Did not like that. He gets hit with an awesome bomb for the pin. Mike Awesome... Sets up a table, gets David Flair in the ring, is about to give him the running awesome bomb through the table. Ric Flair gets out of the limo and runs to the main area of the building and just goes, Mike, 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 Mike. And all I can think of is that camel from those Geico commercials. I just want Ric Flair to go like, Mike, do you know what day it is? It's hump day. But he doesn't. He begs Mike as a father, father to father, please don't kill my son to this table. And that it's heartbreaking now. Knowing what Ric Flair's gone through as a father, Flair puts David down. David's like, no, no, you don't talk to me, old man. 
David clearly suspecting that his father Rick knocked up his girlfriend, which, to be fair, is where the storyline was going before it got canceled. Major Guns asks Kiwi for new gear because she hates her hideous uh, maple leaf boob apparel. Lance Storm says, no. Team Canada comes out to the ring. Storm calls all the Aussies idiots because of something that apparently went wrong at the 2000 Olympics in Sydney. I, If I'm not mistaken, the balance beams were set too high. And so a lot of gymnasts were falling off. This uh, brings out Conan to defend, I guess, the Olympic Committee or possibly Australia. They have a match. Franchise attacks Conan during the match behind the ref's back. And Conan taps out to the Canadian Maple Leaf. And that will bring us to our main event. Sting versus Jeff... No, uh, Scott Steiner with Jeff Jarrett made the special guest referee. Steiner and Jarrett brutalized Sting this whole match. Hitting him with a pipe. Hitting uh, hitting him with guitars. Laying him out. Eventually, Sting will fight back. Dump Jarrett to the outside. Take out uh, Steiner. The Cat will bring Booker uh, out in a referee shirt. Make him the referee. Uh, and take out Jarrett with uh, with the book in. Booker kicks Steiner backwards into the Scorpion Death Drop and counts the pin. One, two, three. And the moment Booker hits the three, the show begins to fade out. That is the end of your poorly timed Nitro. This was a boring, boring Nitro. And I'm hoping next week's not as boring, but it's also in Australia, so I imagine it is. Um, yeah. I... I don't know what to say about that particular Nitro. It wasn't quite so good. But I am the Monday Night Delight. This has been the Gift Podcast. You can check me out at Gift Podcast on Twitter. You can check out at, under, or at Addict underscore Wrestle on Twitter. Check out uh, our Wrestle Addict Twitter as well as our Instagram. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Wrestle Addict Radio. Check out our Patreon at, at uh, Patreon.com slash Wrestle Addict Radio. Check out all of our shows. We got the Force Wall Wrestlecast, Not Your Mama Soap Opera, Kings of the Ring Podcast, The Real Game Changer, and of course, The Gift Podcast. If you check out our Patreon, you'll find exclusive shows from all five shows, including myself, with Gift Podcast, Wrestling Theater, Nine Billion. Where last week I watched uh, ECW One Night Stand 2006, and this coming week, not not this Friday, but next Friday, I will be dropping. Uh, an episode where I watched the first two episodes of WWE CW in the uh, wrestling theater style. I will commentate over the event. You can watch along at home and see what we're talking about. It's going to be a fun time for all. Check that out. You get access to all of our stuff with, for just a $5 uh, support. It is a steal. It's also wrestling podcast award time of year. The nominations are out. You can you can nominate uh anybody you want right now go to the wrestle hub uh twitter find the link i will also pin it to the gift of podcast profile if you want on twitter if you want to go check that out definitely go and nominate this show for best solo i think i am clearly the best solo in the world i am the monday night delight after all also please uh and maybe i'm tooting my own horn here i believe i'm giving you the best information about 90s and 2000s old crappy wrestling mark me down for most informative also mark all of our shows down for duos solos trios information comedy and of course that'll be the show of the year vote check us all out this year they've added best brand and let's be honest 
when you're talking about the best brand in wrestling podcasting today, you can't go any better than the Wrestle Attic Radio crew. We cover all wrestling, not just all over the world, but all through time. I am the, I will take you back in time. We're covering everything current United States, WWE, AEW, Japan, UK, retro, music, every part of wrestling that you can imagine we're covering. We are the best brand. Get out there, nominate WrestleLatic Radio, and when the time comes and time to vote, vote Wrestle Addict Radio. I'm going to leave it at that. i got to pick up my kids from school, but I want to thank everybody for being a part of this gift podcast, and I will see you next week. Bye-bye.